back to four for the road everyone this is your host no shame i've got drifter with me i've got road dirt and i've got my good buddy tom who is uh in the german motorcycle community so he's going to be here today talking to us about how things are in germany across do they, do they say across the pond for germany or is that just a british thing no that's fine that's fine across the pond is fine i've gotten approval uh so yeah uh, Tom, you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself, um, maybe your background and how you got into motorcycles? Sure. So, um, yeah, my name is Tom. Um, I was born and raised in Germany, um, 44 years old. Uh, started getting into motorcycles. Well, that's a bit complicated to tell, but... Let's put it like this. Um, I watched Sons of Anarchy like anyone, anybody, anybody else did. And um, back then, um, I had lost my driver's license for, I don't know, 10 years already. The reasons behind it, I don't really want to get into it because it was really, really stupid. So um, I was thinking, okay, I have to get back my license. And um, the thing or the way things work in Germany is um, if you get your license suspended, you have to take like a theoretical and a practical test. And that's what I did. And I said, okay, while I'm on it, um, I can do the motorcycle license as well. So um, I did that. And about at the same time, uh, I reconnected with a friend of mine who uh, I got to learn from or got to meet through bouncing. And he had established his own little club. And he asked me, hey, um, once you get your license, do you want to join? And I basically had no clue about apart from yeah, reading a couple of books and like seeing some guys riding motorcycles passing, passing by. And I said, okay, yeah, why not? Because I've always been interested in, say, subcultures. And I said, okay, um, I want to check it out. It interests me, and um, I want to see what they're all about. And that's how I basically got in, and I was in 213. Well, so that was uh, <clears throat> that was your introduction to, like, the motorcycle club scene as a whole. Um, how did uh, How did that journey go from there? So, um, when the guy I mentioned before, um, who had yeah, established his own little club, um, for several reasons, he wasn't that well liked in the community. And, um, as I realized later, when I got into like protocol and like traditional motorcycle club stuff, um, it wasn't about his person or his personality. It was um, how we went on about the things that he did. So um, I realized quite quickly that if I want to do that, I want to do it the right way. And um, through this guy, I got to meet uh, the president of another club in my area at that time. And um, we had a couple of talks. And um, yeah, I started hanging out with them 
I was made tank around soon after, and that's how my like motorcycle club career started. Um, in retrospect, I would say that I should have taken much more time to get to know different clubs in my area, to get to know different people who are in the scene and um, make a, let's say, informed decision after. But since I was a bit younger and um, a bit stupid and very, very excited, I didn't do that. And that's, yeah, one of the reasons why things unfolded the way they did. So uh, you and I met um, when you had come to the United States, you know, several years back, um, and you got a chance to see what the motorcycle community in the U.S. was. And I know you, you spent some time up in Washington with us. You also spent some time, um, was it in Vegas or California or was it just in Vegas Washington? with Milk. Yeah. So you got to see, you know, multiple areas, um, how the MC community functioned. <clears throat> uh, are there any major differences you can highlight between the United States MC culture versus the German MC culture? Mm, I will keep that in mind and I will like explain a bit about my history in the motorcycle club world before I got to meet you guys. So um, when I joined the club I was in back then, um, there was a not exactly a well-established club in the area, but a club that's been around for a while. And um, together with me, a couple of other young guys joined who were like motivated and, and eager to get something going. And so um, we grew very fast, maybe too fast. And um, I got to meet a lot of people I got to learn about this club's uh, history, which was um, yeah, filled with a lot of ups and downs. And um, I got to know that, or I got to realize that not everything that's presented to you is on the surface is um, like the reality underneath. So I wasn't like Im immediately disillusioned with what I saw and what I experienced because, and I have to underline that because it might come a bit short, um, like in the course of this conversation, but there were a lot of things that I really, really liked. I liked the camaraderie. Um, I liked hanging out with the people. I got to meet like um, a lot of very interesting people from all walks of life, of walks of life. Um, of course, I encountered a lot of prejudice because um, like people with a darker skin, they are not necessarily in motorcycle clubs here in Germany. Um, but um, yeah, I got to like face some of my own prejudice and some of it was debunked and some of it was like confirmed. So it was a sort of a mixed bag, but in total, it was a really interesting experience. But um, 
what happened over the course of the, I think it was like three or four years in total I spent in the club I was in, that um, this club was almost destroyed because of uh, internal conflicts. And um, which got me to a point that I decided, okay, this is no longer for me. And um, I quit. And just before that, I got in touch with a guy named Martin, who you probably know. Um, and the way I met Martin was very interesting because we had um, a website in Germany called uh, Rocker Portal. Um, just for a bit of background, like bikers or motorcycle enthusiasts are called Rocker in Germany, which is based on a translation mistake back in the 60s which is an interesting story in itself. Um, and um, I followed this site to get some information about motorcycle culture and motorcycle club culture. And um, I realized that they posted a lot of articles from overseas, but the translation was pretty shitty. So I'm a professional translator myself and I offered my services and I said, okay, I can do it for you like free of charge. Just give me a little bit of time and I translate these articles for you. And through that, I got to work with these guys, meet these guys and got to, um, yeah, got an even deeper or more insider look into the motorcycle scene uh, in, in Germany, which was really interesting. And one of the guys who commented on the site was Martin. And Martin basically introduced me to Milk who basically got me to meet you guys in Washington. Yeah, I didn't even know, uh, you know, even being there when you when you were around and everything is, I didn't even know that was the whole backstory of, of how you came uh, in contact with us. Um, <clears throat> you had mentioned that you guys were getting like articles and stuff from stateside. Was that, uh, I think at that time, everybody was probably still on like sucker free MC. Was that like kind of like the, the source, t like that, that kind of genre of, of things like Facebook posts or were, or is it more like, um, no, it, it was more uh, a news page. Okay. So like news articles and stuff that were, yes. that were coming yes. through. Okay. Got it. <clears throat> uh, you mentioned a translation mistake. You can you touch on that a little bit? I think, uh, that might be something yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting. That's actually really funny. Um, like the motorcycle club culture was introduced in Germany, of course, through uh, American soldiers who um, were like um, deployed over here. And um, as the story goes, um, I mean, these guys, they come came here. I think it all started here in the 60s or 70s. So these guys came here and had their uh, cuts on. And as the story goes, one guy pointed on the cut and asked, what is this? And the guy he, he asked answered, this is, this, this is a rocker. And basically mean, he meant a, a top or a bottom rocker. And the guy who um, guy understood that this guy is not a biker, but a rocker. And so um, the, the expression... Like, like the music. Like the music rocker. Yeah, that was another. That's what that was another aspect. Like most of these people were listening to rock music, 
Um, but he wasn't referring to rock music. He was referring to a top or bottom rocker. I don't know which one it was. And he said, okay, that's, that's basically how these people are called and it stuck. So bikers or motorci motorcycle club members are called rocker, like by the general media in Germany. Uh, like in Australia, they're called bikies instead of bikers. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's like the, the Australian, um, say, local term, and in Germany, it's called rocker. Oh, right on. But it all goes back to a translation mistake. So those American clubs that came over, I noticed a lot of them stuck around. So there's still a lot of American uh, clubs that started in America, still in Germany. And then Germany has many of their homegrown clubs, including the largest, I believe, that's in Germany is a homegrown club. Is there, is there a difference between an, um, an American original club and, and German clubs? I mean, do they mix? Is there, how's that work? Um, it's a um, pretty difficult history, I think. Like with some of these clubs, they were um, founded by GIs and they still exist. Like, um, for example, the Iron Horses, they have been around in Germany since 1966, I guess. Um, but there are no, as far as I know, there are no longer American members in this club. And um, Gremium MC, which is probably the one you you um, meant when you said the largest German club, um, I think they were founded in 1974 or 72. I would have to look that up. Um, they were founded in Germany and they like expanded over Europe and um, I think to South America too um, over the like decades that followed. And then there were other clubs that were, let's put it like this, imported. Um, like um, the Hells Angels, um, the Bandidos, um, the Sons of Silence. Those guys, they were those clubs, they were like imported. Basically, how it worked is like people from Germany got to meet um, outlaws as well, by the way. Um, they got to meet people in the States or people from the US came over. Um, they got along quite well, and um, there were like patchovers in one way or the other. So there's no, so like here in America, when a, a club comes from overseas, let's say a club from wherever, comes to the United States, they kind of have a hard time getting a good foothold because of the, the homegrown clubs already. I know. So I guess what I'm asking, in Germany... Do the German rockers, whenever they see Bob's Motorcycle Club from Texas come over into Germany, do they look at it kind of sideways or do they kind of, okay, it's just a, another one? Um, I think it all comes down to recruitment. Um, for example, with the Hells Angels, like even back in the 60s or late 70s, um, when nobody really knew what a biker or a rocker was, people were familiar with the Hells Angels and they were like seen like the, as the, the pinnacle of motorcycle club culture. So um, everybody was aspiring to become a Hells Angel back then. So when they established their first charters here 
in Germany, like people were looking up to them. And of course, the people they recruited here in Germany, they were of, um, let's say, special kind. Not people you special really mess with. <laughs> uh, okay. That's, that's interesting because that's one of the things that uh, we've talked about before when we when we go into like the pop culture aspects of the motorcycle club world and we've talked about um how certain movies and and whatnot have influenced the growth of motorcycle culture you know throughout the world not just in america <clears throat> and there is uh there's always been this big debate between drifter and dave over which movie was most influential and, and one of the things that that dave talks about is uh the movie that he references like after that like Europe exploded with uh, with clubs, you know, starting up over there from from the American side. So it's it's kind of interesting to see that full come full circle and and hear about it firsthand from somebody who has experienced that in their culture. Um, and with regard to like recruitment, um, like most of the major clubs, they got introduced to Germany by way of a large petrol work. For example, um, most of the bandidos used to be here in here in Germany used to be yellow ghost riders. And if I remember correctly, the yellow ghost riders had at least a dozen chapters already before they patched over. Um, the same applies to the black ghost riders who became the German outlaws. And um, even more so to um, the majority of the Hells Angels charters who used to be um, the Bones MC, if you are familiar with that one. The Bones MC used to be uh, the largest and probably most influential um, motorcycle club in Germany. I think into the 90s or something. And um, I think in the end 90s, they like almost the entire club patched over to the Hells Angels. So it's I find it interesting that that these clubs, like you said, the Yellow Riders, the Black Riders, do they use English, whatever they they make their patches, or do they do it in in German? Like if you look at the back of their patch, does it say uh, Ghost Rider or does it say the equivalent in German? No, no, they they use English names because English is cool. <laughs> My English teacher would agree with you. <laughs> But sometimes, you know, it's a, sometimes it's a it's a weird mix between uh, German and English. I was just sitting here thinking, um, you know, a lot of our listeners haven't had the um, the luxury of, of seeing Europe and the United States, um, at least from you know, at least from the or anybody that's listening from the U.S. And they may not be familiar. I would just before we did this, I looked real quick and, and I looked at some facts about Germany and the states and, and to put things in perspective to, to listeners. And if I and this was like a quick Google search, so if anything here is wrong, someone correct me. But Germany is about half the size of Texas, but yet they have a quarter of the US population. Does that sound about right? Like 80 million, 80 million personnel, and we have around 300 million. That's correct. Yeah, so we're looking at a pretty densely populated country. Uh, we're, you know, it's half the size of Texas with a quarter of the amount of people that are in the United States, but yet they have 
fifth, they match 50% of sales on two wheels. And when I, when I say motorcycles, I'm assuming they might mean scooters. And I'm going to ask you about that in a second. So like we, if the U S sells 550,000 motorcycles a year, Germany selling 227,000. So that's a, that's a pretty high per capita um, amount of motorcycles. And my question to you is, um, I'm assuming that that some of those are scooters. And I have a friend here I work with who grew up in Germany. He said a big part of that is because gas over there is $1.89 a liter or $7 a gallon. Does the, does, does the um, scooters play any part whatsoever in the motorcycle club community or is it only the larger bikes? And, 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 and what I said up to this point, what I stated was accurate. And do scooters play any role whatsoever in any of that? Um, scooters are very popular, but um, I haven't encountered like a real scooter scene here in Germany, although there is one. Like a, a, a pretty good friend of mine who is uh, in one of the major clubs now started in a scooter club. Um, motorcycles are very popular, um, but not like compared to the overall population, not that many people are in motorcycle clubs. So whenever you look at uh, like um, Britain, you'll see major 1% clubs that have a mix of different kinds of bikes. They'll have British bikes, American, uh, even Japanese bikes. How is it in Germany? Is there a lot of BMW riders running around with a backpack? Um, there are but um, not in the big 1% of clubs. Is that American only or American yes. and Japanese or what? Yes. That's interesting because I remember um, when you had come to, to Washington and you know I think every, pretty much everybody in my chapter at that time was either on a street glider or a road glider or something. And you were like looking around, you're like, oh man, like, like just talking about how expensive that would have been in germany because i think you know at the time and, and may even still be the case you were on um a dyna i believe yes and I you were telling have. me how much a dyna costs in germany and it was like holy shit like that's expensive um so yeah that's that's kind of an interesting point that these uh that the major one percent clubs over there have still stuck to that american only or harley only whatever it, whatever it is yeah, that was my that was my next question. You stole it from me because I also looked and saw that like Harley is actually number in, in the last couple of years. One of the years I grabbed was like number seven, whereas in America and the United States, Harley is number one in sales. And in Germany, it's number seven under, you know, like Kawasaki, Yamaha, BMW. And it was something. Is it, is, is it pronounced Piaggio? Piaggio, yeah. Piaggio is good. number one. Okay, so that is a scooter, and that was my. And when I looked it up, it looked like scooters, and so they are they are lumping it in to the scooters into the, those numbers I was grasping or grabbing. Um, another thing I, I learned about Germany was they said that the safety or their safety regulations are extreme to the extreme as far as uh, sound. You know, they check your mufflers, is what I heard. Is, is that not accurate? Because I've heard that they're very strict on that. Man, that's way too accurate. I fucking hate it. Does that apply to helmets? You get in much more trouble for loud pipes than basically anything else. 
that's just ridiculous. Does that and go for they, tar they target they target um, Harley riders in, in particular? Yeah, my my friend my friend I work with I was talking to him because I was using him as a I was I was getting information from him unbeknownst to him for this because you know he he grew up in Germany and he rides a motorcycle here in the states, but um. He, I asked him about the safety because I'd looked and I, and I saw all these rules like you have to have a warning triangle on your motorcycle. You have to have a, a reflective, some kind of reflective marking, at least on one sleeve. And, and it was just in the helmets. And it was this big, long list. OK, I, I know you're getting ready to straighten me out on something. And, and he pointed out, he said the biggest thing was a sound that they'll actually come up and measure the sound from your from your um, from your um, exhaust. But my question to you was. And then you can correct me on whatever I said was wrong. And also, is it a does everybody basically just to stay out of trouble, follow it because they're so strict? Or do people some people take pride in like saying fuck the man and breaking the rules and running around and not following the safety rules? So um, I have to I have to um, how can I put it? I chime in on this on the thing with the reflective vests. Thank God or whoever they are still not mandatory. There were some um, attempts to try and make them mandatory, but so far the pushback has been strong enough. And I hope it stays that way because it's it looks ridiculous and it's fucking ugly. But other than that, yes, helmet laws are pretty strict and enforced throughout the country. There are exceptions for people with... Um, special kind of head injuries who cannot wear helmets for medical reasons. But these guys get pulled over like every time they ride. So, um, but apart from that, it, it also kind of uh, depends where you are in Germany. Like when you're in the big cities, when you're, for example, in Munich, um, the police are tend to harass you more than when you're in the countryside, because like the country, uh, policemen, they just don't care. One of the uh, things that we kind of battle here in the States is uh, like the profiling piece of it, you know, where where club people especially are targeted by law enforcement and, you know, they, they pull over packs of people just to, you know, run license plate numbers and check registrations and stuff like that. Um, luckily, we're you know, I spent most of my MC journey in Washington. They had gotten a lot of legislation passed that uh, made profiling illegal, you know, when it came to motorcycle clubs. Um, but then we look at the, the contrast of that in Australia to where it's like almost like a police state when it comes to motorcycle clubs over there. Where does Germany fall on that spectrum? Hmm. To some extent, it's the American way. <laughs> like we get profiled as well. Even when we were organizing events that was still with Rocker Portal, uh, even when we were organizing events with the goal to bring the motorcycle club community together, um, we were profiled. They checked our number plates. They checked our um, affiliations, everything. Whenever I go to a one percenter party, I get checked. My bike gets checked. Um, and to some extent, and I was told that, or I've been told that 
from by by people from from the one uh, percent community. Um, people go as far as to inform your employer, like, do you know that this guy or that guy is in this or that club? Uh, are you cool with that? Which is probably one of the reasons why many one percenters I know are self-employed. So there is definitely motorcycle club profiling in Germany. So that, that, that goes for club guys. Oh, sorry. That goes for club guys and independent. So an independent rider riding around, does he get harassed like uh, that too? Club guys mostly and especially. Uh, excuse me? Can you say that again? Jurcher's connection is kind of cutting out, but I think what he was saying is uh, does it apply? Are, are they profiling independents who are you know, associating with motorcycle clubs as well, or are they just yeah. doing it to the motorcycle clubs? And they do it to motorcycle clubs in particular, but um, let's say civilians um, are profiled as well. And I don't know whether you know that, but um, Gremium, Hells Angels, and Bandidos are prohibited from wearing their colors in public in Germany. Yeah, so, so that is, is kind of hard uh, that's one of those big things that we're trying to prevent, you know, here in the United States with with this anti-profiling or legislation and you know these big uh, pushes that we make, you know, in in DC and stuff like that, because uh, that's you know it's it's a step in the wrong direction, you know, when you start limiting, you know, one club in particular can or cannot fly, and in in this particular area, and that's you know we see it in in Australia how far it has come and you know it's one of those things where it's it feels like if you give an inch you you know they're going to take a mile from you yes i think what we have in favor here is that we have the constitution which specifically you know has your right to assembly and, and right to association built into it so that helps a lot australia obviously doesn't have that so um oh we have that too but it's all subject to interpretation I, know, I, th I think that's kind of everywhere and like where we've gotten luck, you know, because it's not like they haven't tried. You know, there's there's famous cases recently where they've, you know, tried to ban a certain club's logos. And, you know, fortunately for the community, the, the Supreme Court interpreted our Constitution to mean that they could not take it. You know, and that was that was a big win for the motorcycle club world here in in, uh, in the United States. So yeah, the, the interpretation is is everything, and I think we really lucked out and had got a big win for the motorcycle club community here when they made that determination. Um, I have to add though that um, while there are some figures in the one percenter community here in Germany who are intelligent enough to see that they have a target on their back. Um, on the same side, there are people in that community who continue just like nothing has happened and just like they're not affected. And what they these people don't realize it is that um, what they do affects their community as a whole. We have that here too, man. Hey, Tom, I, I saw, I'm thinking back to something you said um, when you first was talking about yourself, and I found it very interesting. We're talking about, you know, 
between here and Germany, a 5,000 mile difference lang with the language difference and the, obviously the culture difference, but yet in the motorcycle club community, you spoke on probably three things that we talk a lot about on our page. And one of the things was um, you made the comment that an individual, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, at least what I extracted from the comment, there was a guy who wasn't necessarily a bad guy. Um, it's just the way he went about doing things in a community that was disliked, you know. So basically, we talk about that a lot on our page about the importance of um, being part of the community and participating and following the guidelines that have been established. And and you also mentioned taking time to do research. Like, and I fell victim to that too early in my motorcycle club career. I just kind of fell into a place and everything seemed good. And it was in that general area. If I would have done a little more research, I'd have found out there were some things I might not have been happy with. Um, and then you said, you know, present the presentation versus reality, you know, when the curtains pulled back a little bit, but um, I, I'm shifting gears a little bit from profiling, I guess more into, into protocol. Um, and you touched on it a little bit, but do you, um, have anything that you think would benefit our listeners to talk about um, battles that are ongoing? Because right now, currently in our community, there's a lot of like, I think this happens with every generation, new school versus old school, right? Like the, the young cats are trying to do things and do it a certain way, which guys like No Shame, who is pretty young, is like, that's not a bad thing as long as you're still adhering to certain standards and um, following certain guidelines you can't just be the new guy and jump up and do it the way you want and say to hell with the history. Um, do you, are you experiencing anything like that in Germany in the community? Mm. Germans in general are, and I, will, I hope I don't do too many people injustice, but I just say it. Germans in general are very mm, strict when it comes to rules, which is, a good thing and a bad thing, like in every aspect of of of, uh, of the statement. Um, there are certain rules that um, are not exactly motorcycle club rules. That are like rules that have been in in, in place for I don't know decades or even centuries, like treating each other with respect. Um, not talking behind someone's back, stuff like that. Um, and those, it's, it's a big word, but those values seem to get lost a bit or, yeah, seem to get lost a bit. And when I came to the motorcycle community for the first time, I thought that, okay, this is a community where I feel at home. This is a place where um, these values are still these values still mean something. So um, at first it was like all good and I'm like, okay, like I've, I've, I've uh, I found the, pla the place where I belong. But yeah, then reality caught up with me and um, I experienced a couple of other things. But um, in general, while protocol in Germany is not as strict um, as it is in the US, um, there are some clubs that actually enforce it, like more traditional clubs or like US one percenter clubs. And um, other clubs, they are not as strict, but 
there is still a certain um, kind of way you are expected to behave. Just simple things. For example, if you arrive at a place, um, you take off your gloves, you introduce yourself, you look each other in the eye, you take off your sunglasses, um, something like that. And of course, there's like in every other place in the world, in every other culture, there are difference between um, old school and new school. The new school guys say, okay, um, we don't need that anymore. Um, those like old traditions and values are obsolete. And there are those traditionalists who say quite the opposite that, okay, these rules have been in place for so and so long. Um, they have a reason. Um, we should like keep that up because traditions are what holds a society or a culture together when everything else crumbles. So we have that conflict as well. So I have a question for you, Tom. Um, so American motorcycle clubs, we kind of look back in history and, and we see where our traditions and ideas come from, like you were just talking about. And from what I understand, uh, the German motorcycle community kind of started with the American uh, soldiers over there bringing the American culture into it. So are we at a point in Germany now where the German MC community looks back at their history? Are they still looking more towards American motorcycle club history? Are they looking at their own now? Like this, we have evolved now and we are now a completely separate German motorcycle club community. I think it really depends on the club. Like the clubs that were established in Germany and from what I heard from the guys in the 60s or 70s, it was like anything goes. There was no established set of rules yet. Um, you met someone at a party, you got along well, you got into a fight and then you got up, helped each other up, dusted each other off and then went to the bar and continued drinking. That's what it used to be in the um, 70s, 60s, 80s. Um, when the big motorcycle clubs from the US came over, this changed a bit. And when like big German clubs were established, like Gremium and Bones, this changed a bit as well. Because in order to like prevent at least a bit of the chaos, you had to give this organization some sort of structure. And so the Germans started to adopt more of a structure in their clubs. Before that, there was no structure. So do they have a German structure now, or is it still based on an American structure? It really depends. If when the when the club is like originates in the States, they to a certain extent adopt their structure. Um, with some clubs, I'm kind of familiar with the structure, but that's club business. So I don't want to touch that here. And, uh, with the clubs that were established here in Germany, um, they follow like an American model, but loosely. So in, um, one of the things that you were talking about, and it kind of mirrors what happened in the United States, you know, where you know, the, the structure kind of built in over time and kind of evolved over time. And, and it was over necessity and, 
you know, it's ever evolving. Uh, one of the things that we have over here are things like uh, the COC and, and NCOM and, and things like that. Are there organizations like that in Germany that are, you know, multi-club organizations where, you know, kind of a neutral ground where different clubs can come together and, and work on a specific issue or, you know, discuss things in the community, things of that nature? Mm, there are some, um, let's say, umbrella organizations, but in my opinion, they are not really relevant, so I won't discuss them here. Um, <laughs> sorry for any members of these organizations who might listen, listen to that, but that's my experience. Yeah, beat it. Get out of here. <laughs> but um, there are so-called roundtables, which are organized locally. And that's where the clubs come together. And like all clubs, like the 1% of clubs and the small clubs, um, till a certain, up to a certain size. And they discuss like open issues, upcoming events, stuff like that. Um, in, in Munich, just, um, just to, to elaborate on that a bit, and in Munich, we have the interesting situation that we have the Hells Angels, the Bandidos, the Sons of Silence, and Gremium as um, larger one percenter clubs. And um, they get along, let's say, surprisingly well. So there is always talking between them, um, but just not on the surface. Here in um, here in the U.S., we we experience issues. Some clubs, not all clubs, depending on how the governments look at the individual club. When you cross borders, and you know we only have a couple borders here um, because we're so large and spread out. But going into Canada. Um, there's there's clubs that are just told absolutely not you can't cross over they'll get escorted back if they get right across in colors they'll get escorted back across the border um by you know by law enforcement from both sides and told don't come back um being there's so many borders in europe do you experience problems as you travel if you want to go on a long ride say you know several thousand miles in one direction do you have problems crossing borders in colors mm. Yes. Um, there's one club that I used to ride with a lot, um, one of the major clubs. And depending on where you are in Europe, um, those guys have to take off their colors. Otherwise, they um, can pass or the colors would get confiscated. So, yeah, that happens. That would be, uh, I think that's something that, that's a good point, Roder, like something that we don't have to necessarily deal with is, is over there, you know, it's for, for us, you know, I could, I could ride for three days and still be in the United States, you know, you know, in Europe, it's, you have to be kind of cognizant of how the political and, and social, you know, environment changes from place to place. I would say Europe in general is kind of, how do you say it? Homogenous? Like it's, it's not that much of a deal when you cross borders. Um, if you get to the 
further you get to the east or southeast, um, yeah, some things might change. But like in Central and Western Europe, where I usually ride, it's not that much of a problem. And even for the guys, even for the guys I ride with uh, or I rode with, um, I mean, you just take your cut off, put it in the saddlebag, and then you cross the border and you can put it on again. It's all good then. Yeah. Uh, I know you put quite a few kilometers on your bike. I was going to say miles, but I guess that wouldn't be appropriate. Um, what is uh, what is your favorite place to ride? Um, I loved Ireland. Ireland was so amazing. The people are amazing. The country is amazing. But I was super lucky because we had sun all the time that we were there. And the people who lived there said, okay, this is like the the best early summer they had in a decade because it hadn't rained for a week. <laughs> sun in Ireland? Yes. Are you sure you were in Ireland? Yes, I was. I loved it. Um, apart from that, uh, I got in 219, I was, uh, in Marseille for, for a special event and, um, riding along the Côte d'Azur was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing, but also super hot. That's my dream ride. That's my dream ride. Beautiful. You should do that. It's perfect. And if you start anywhere near me, let's do that together. <laughs> all right. I will. I want to do that one day. I want to go from Spain all along the coast into Italy and all the way down. Hell, just for the, not just for the, the views, but for the food. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, what else? Um, I rode in, in, uh, in Scotland, which was beautiful as well. Um, the highlands are absolutely amazing. But also, I mean, if you ever come to, to Germany, southern Germany, like the Alps, the mountains, it's amazingly beautiful. Like since I, since I started riding and I haven't been riding that long, all things considered, it's like it's been a bit more than 10 years. Um, but since I started riding, I got... Uh, I, 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 I found a love for my for my home again, like the, the the south of Germany, because it's so beautiful. The landscape is so beautiful, and Europe in general. I mean, you it's compared to you to the U.S. It's a tiny place, but you have so many different countries, languages, cultures, landscapes. It's just amazing. So I have a question for you. It seems that the German motorcycle community has a, I don't know, a special tie-in with the Romanian motorcycle community. It seems like if there's a multi-chapter club, they always seem to have a chapter in Romania as well. Is there some kind of special tie there or is just just a coincidence? I think that's just a coincidence. I mean, especially the larger clubs, they like to expand. Um, since Western Europe is basically covered and or um, pretty heavily regulated, um, they look towards the East where things are a bit more, let's say wild Eastern style. 
So you're telling me that's the party we want to attend? Most definitely. And um, both in Hungary and in Romania, there are super beautiful ladies. So. Well, I'm sold. Let's go. How many? I know. I know. We as, as bikers like to brag about how we're riding any weather, and then you can get all the heated gear and everything else. But how many? How many months of comfortable riding do you have in South Germany? And when I say comfortable, I mean you can just throw on a jacket or a coat and not freeze your ass off or be miserable. Uh, it depends how tough you are. <laughs> I used to ride all year, but I'm not that tough anymore. <laughs> but um, on a more serious note, I think here in southern Germany, you can quite comfortably ride between um, March, April and October maybe into November. Do, do, does your club still stay, do the club still stay relatively active? Is it common that they just go in, in, in four wheel vehicles or meet up places and do things indoors when the weather's at its worst? Or does, does, does everybody hibernate when the weather gets bad? Um, no, they are still meeting. I mean, there are still parties in, in, in winter and stuff. But for me, that was always a bit of a problem because I'm a bit um, stubborn when it comes to that. My um, my premise is that when I attend a biker party, I ride there. So I missed out on a lot of parties in winter because I didn't want to or I couldn't ride. But yeah, there are a lot of people who are who can be considered car clubs and not motorcycle clubs <laughs> but i think <laughs> but i think you have that in the us as well um throwing shade now you have to put on the light yeah, the the amount of similarities and around a road dirt alluded to it earlier you know with with the distance and the language barrier and all that and then and you still hear you know some of the same complaints some of the same uh you know the struggles, and it's it's just so uh, another way that through social media we've discovered that we are so much more alike than we are different. Um, and about that writing, I think I got most respect from the motorcycle community here because I was and am riding. There were years where I put more miles or kilometers on my bike than anyone else in my club. And um, that's what it is about for me. Yeah, that's the basis of the whole culture, the motorcycle. Yeah, but I think it's the same in the US. Many people are more in there for the social aspect. And I realized after a couple of years that I'm more an anti-social person that I love riding and I love traveling. But sometimes when I arrive, I want to leave right away. <laughs> I think that's, uh, you know, in general, that is where motorcycle clubs get into the most trouble is when the membership is no longer focused on the two important things of a motorcycle club. And that's 
riding your motorcycle and having a, a brotherhood, you know, a fraternity of, of individuals that is centered around the motorcycle, you know, and, and we've seen it time and time again, where people come into the culture for, like you said, the social aspects of it, or for, you know, the, uh, the, the dramatization pieces of it that are portrayed in the media. And they, they just latch onto that and they draw their own conclusions of what this is about. And they forget all about the motorcycle. When in reality, the motorcycle is the only reason that we exist. Exactly. Although I have to admit, and I touched on it briefly when we started this, um, the reason why I said, okay, I want to do this, I want to get my, my motorcycle license, was Sons of Anarchy. But um, I remember a specific scene from one of the first episodes where they were riding in a pack. Um, I think it was late in the afternoon and they were riding from one place to the other. And I, I still remember I was watching that scene and I said, okay, this is what I want to do. Well, you know, I don't think that's, that's too uncommon either, you know, um, no. for, you know, for, for some generations, it might've been easy rider or it might've been, you know, just any other movie of the time, you know, that, that was coming out, you know, hopefully it wasn't wild hogs for anybody, but you know, there was, there was a big push where it was, you know, sons of anarchy. And that was, that was people's introduction. You know, like I know when, when I was, you know, first, cause I'm you know, like, like Rotor said, I'm, I'm one of the younger people on the on the staff we have here when I was starting to ride street bikes, you know, on the road, you know, sons of anarchy was the show that was on. It was the, the hottest thing you could watch. Like for me to say, like I wasn't entertained by that or didn't, you know, have that influence, you know, my thoughts at all it would be, you know, a lie. You know, it, it was something that, that I enjoyed watching, you know, and, and it gets a lot of flack, but I don't think there's any shame in admitting that, you earned an in, or gained an interest in in the motorcycle club community through that show. You know, I think uh, where the toxicity comes in is people that believe that that drama is what the motorcycle community is. It'd be like thinking that you know every time you go to a hospital, you're trying to fuck your coworkers, and you know everything's like some crazy thing just because you watch Grey's Anatomy. But I did date a nurse before, and I do know that they are kind of a little promiscuous, so that might not be too far from the truth. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of Sons of Anarchy, I mean, it's a TV show. It's really exaggerated, but it touches on some subjects that like hit home for a lot of people. And I think the camaraderie that they display, at least sometimes, um, is something that people strive for. This is something that I, I mean, I used to be, I used to be in the army. I love the camaraderie. This was one of the, the best aspects of being a soldier. And I miss that. And I miss that for, I got out in 2000. I got into the motorcycle world in 2013. Yeah. For 20 years, more than 20 years. So, yeah. That, that's amazing. That, that There's another common theme. There you go. Military, the rush you get from doing stupid, dangerous stuff with men you're extremely close to. And next thing you know, you're riding a motorcycle on a pack really fast because it's the closest thing you can find to what you did in the military. 
that's just another common theme that this that bridges the gap. That's amazing. Well, I only started really thinking about that when the first crack showed up, like when I realized that not everything is, a, is as beautiful as it seems on the surface. And I asked myself a lot of times, why am I doing this? What do I get out of this? What, what is my motivation to be in there, to be in this club, to do this? And um, basically it's, I mean, I'm a loner, like in, in general. I don't need many people. I'm not very fond of, of being like in with a lot of people. But I do enjoy camaraderie. I absolutely love riding in a pack. This is, I still love it to this day. And um, yeah, this is something that, um, yeah, that has been missing from my life. And this is something that I, since I, I left my club, I never found that again to the extent that I had it for a brief time when I was in my club. Because I left because it wasn't good for me anymore. But when I joined for a while, it was everything that I wished for. And I put a lot of time into it. I put a lot of heart into it. I put a lot of miles into it um, until it wasn't a fit anymore. Are there a lot of uh, veterans, military veterans and MCs there in Germany? Mm, some, but not as many as in the US, I think. Because here, mm, military is not held in such high regard as it is in the US, which is a shame, but I can, to an extent, understand where it's coming from, given our history. With um, with that being said, you know, um, one of the big contributors to people joining clubs, like Rodert said, in, in the United States, is that longing for you know that brotherhood and that camaraderie. Um, and it seems like that was one of your big reasons as well. Uh, but with the the military presence not being so prevalent in German motorcycle clubs. What do you think is the driving force that kind of brings a majority of the people to the club world in Germany? Hmm. I found that a surprisingly large number of people who I encountered in the motorcycle culture come from difficult circumstances and or dysfunctional families. So I think those people are looking for a common denominator, are looking for or are looking for a family. Especially in the one percenter clubs. And there's another similarity. Exactly. And that's why most guys and gals end up in the military, but we could boil it down. Besides the fact that we all had head injuries. That, that's a joke, but you know, <laughs> um, you know, that's a big reason. The recruiting tool for the military, our military is so big and they, they, they're pretty, uh, they do a lot of, spend a lot of money doing psychological studies on how to get people to join the military and you get there and it's like, damn, my parents are fucked up. Mine too. I had a horrible childhood. So did I. Oh, that's interesting. And then you end up in a motorcycle club. So like Drifter said, another similarity. 
This is awesome, man. Tom, I'm really enjoying this conversation. Thank you so much for, for this time. This is great. Yeah, we just we just added a step in the middle where you have to give your life to the government for a few years. It seems like you, <laughs> you guys have made it a little more efficient where you can just kind of go from bad upbringing and shitty childhood to straight into the club life without having to get some TBI and you know post-traumatic stress in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, so you, you've uh, you've talked about your journey thus far. Uh, do you ever see yourself going back to a club? Mm. Um, That's a tough question. <laughs> it is. I wouldn't discard it right away, but. I don't see right now, I don't see a club that would be a 100% fit for me or I would be a fit for them. Um, when I left my previous club, it wasn't an easy decision. There several circumstances came together outside of the club and then some drama inside the club and I made this decision but I took what I did back then very seriously and I'm not the guy to like replace one loyalty with another quickly I don't do that um there was a reason why I came um, to Washington in 216. Um, maybe we could go into that like uh, like off the stream because it's yeah club business related. But um, in the years after, um, that same friend that introduced me to the motorcycle club world in the first place uh, made me an offer to start something with a established club um, and basically build a new chapter. And I said, okay, um, I heard such and such rumors about that club. Are those true? And he said, well, um, this is Germany not the US version, um, give it a try. And I said, okay, I give it a try. And I did. And um, in the end, I was so disappointed that um, basically I said, that's it for me. And um, I took a step away from the entire community. And only got a little back into it after COVID. Because, um, because one thing that I will not tolerate is racism. And um, yeah. You know, one, of the, one of the things I, I respect a lot about your answer is that it, it's very, you know, well thought out. You know, and that you're not jumping into something and then you're 
you've actually taken the time to consider and, you know, you brought up the taking the time to consider and, and going into a, the decision to leave your other club, you know, you, you, you gave it serious thought. Um, and then that's something that's so commonplace. I don't know if it happens there as much as it happens here, but you know, somebody will, you know, it doesn't work out in one club and they'll immediately jump to the next. And, uh, it's it's one yes. of the, the big poisons in the MC world here today. Um, so it's very refreshing to hear somebody that has a love for the culture and has a love for, you know, what an MC can bring, but also understands, you know, within themselves what they have and do not have to offer at the time and what the club does and does not have to offer them. And then they take all of those things into account before jumping into a decision. So, I, I commend you for for making those decisions yeah. in the way that you are. I think you really encapsulated when you said that you can't shift your loyalties quickly like that. That that really struck a chord with me. Uh, you had something and you were loyal to it, and uh, now that it's over, you have to grieve. You, you know, you lost something, so you have to get over that before you can move on. And, and I like how you put that. You can't shift your loyalties easily. Yeah, I have collected a lot of friendship friendship patches over the years. I have collected a lot of support patches over the years, but I don't wear them, and I do it for a reason. It's admirable to to see somebody who who sticks to their convictions and you know has the uh, has the the fortitude to to hold to those things and and live their life in a way that they they believe is righteous to to their their values. So I have kind of a delicate question for you. Um, given Germany's military history, you know, where I'm going with that, um, does that affect motorcycle clubs? Because uh, here in the U.S., especially in the 60s, there was a shock value to having World War II symbols uh, from Nazi Germany just, just to shock people not really making a statement about race or anything like that. Um, but, you know, obviously those, those symbols are, are outlawed in Germany. Do you think Germany's military history has uh, influenced today's motorcycle club culture in Germany? Hmm. That's a very good question. Mm, I don't think so in terms of symbolism, because as you mentioned before, um, those symbols are downright outlawed. Um, there were attempts to bring up that part of German military history in a certain German one percenter club. Um, which got disbanded a couple of years ago. Disbanded by the government or on their own? Mm, I didn't think. Mm, I'm not 100% sure. I'd have to look that up. But they came on the flag from the government as well. Um... But I would say the 
many people in the motorcycle club culture have more conservative views. Let's put it like this. So I guess to kind of help with the question a little bit. So in, the, in America, World War II GIs came back. They were a little rambunctious. You know, they had seen a lot of bad stuff in the war. They came together in the 40s and 50s and created the Outlaw Motorcycle Club, a little rough, a little rowdy, but no big deal. Um, so after World War II, Germany was completely devastated. They didn't have time or room for clubs or anything like that. How did World War II affect the motorcycle club, if at all, in Germany? Mm. I think the beginnings of the motorcycle culture here in Germany was more like a counterculture to um, the people who like returned from the war. In the late 40s and 50s and 60s, Germany was all about rebuilding. And Germans in general keep, kept a very, very low profile for various reasons. And I think for the young people in the late 60s and 70s, it was like, like riding motorcycles and everything that's associated with it was... Um, their way of some sort of rebellion against like the older generation, the war generation or post-war generation. Because, and it's still sort of hmm, unconceivable for me, but people did not talk much about World War II. It was like after the war, there was a, Germany was covered in a blanket. And everything that happened before 45 was um, suppressed. I think only in the 80s and maybe even later did people start to like work on work with the past. Before that, World War II was simply not talked about. How about after the fall of the Berlin Wall? Did the uh, motorcycle clubs extend into East Germany and did they find things different there than they did in West Germany? Most definitely. There was a motorcycle club culture in Eastern Germany, even when the wall was still up. But it was, um, it was like regarded with suspicion from the GDR, uh, uh, by the GDR government, of course because those people were like rebels. Um, and these people had their own, like their own culture, their own way of, of expressing themselves. And, and the interesting thing for me was because uh, my former club had um, like ties to Eastern Germany and uh, I was there a lot. And I was absolutely, absolutely surprised how big the motorcycle club scene there was. And those were not clubs that were like only established after the Berlin Wall, um, the wall fell, 
but um, like way before that. And they just like changed their appearance a bit. But these people were had been together like even before the war fell. Uh, the war That's fell. fascinating. I had no idea. That's amazing. And um, the scene in Eastern Germany is um, a bit different as well. Like in Western Germany, it's like uh, when you go to a motorcycle club party, there are, I'd say, 90% uh, motorcycle club members and, and their families and wives and girlfriends and whatever, and 10% civilians. And what I experienced in Eastern Germany was the exact opposite. And I was absolutely stunned. There were parties with, I don't know, 700, 800 people. And between those people were like 150 MC members. And all the others were like partying civilians. And there was no problem whatsoever. That'd be difficult to pull off here. That's almost, you know, in that I've been to, I've been to environments where you have both, right? And and sometimes it's it's, it's almost like a um, a magical feeling, or not magical, but a um, just a really friendly, easy going when you get that environments to allow the the civilian culture, the civilian and the motorcycle club community to come together and party together, and there's no concerns. It's almost like the community embraces that club or that club culture is part of something they're um, comfortable with. And I think it's pretty neat. Like uh, Drifter said, that would be a hard one to pull off here. I've seen it, not as much. So, so that being said, Tom, what's your opinions on, on the two, the two difference, you know, the East and West, which did you enjoy more? Mm, the party aspect, definitely Eastern Germany. Um, with regard to, let's say, a tight-knit community, Western Germany. Because here in Munich, um, like whenever I go to an event, I know at least half of the people. And so over time, you have the opportunity to build relationships. Um, and also another thing is that um, when it's not the one percenter clubs or the big clubs, um, people generally generally um, mingle a lot. Like it's not uncommon that you have members from, I don't know, 20 different clubs and they meet at one party and everything's good. Which is interesting because you get to meet a lot of people. Um, some of these clubs have been around for decades, so these people have interesting stories to tell, um, which is really fun for me. One percenter parties tend to be a bit of a boring affair because everybody is like um, trying to look menacing and trying to look cool, never taking off their sunglasses and um, standing around like this. So, yeah, unless exotic dancers are involved, I usually skip those. Because it gets too expensive? No, nah, it's too boring. That's, uh, again, another similarity. You know, it, it's funny, though, um, you know, the way that it kind of happens is that 
you know, and I've seen it, uh, you, you know, especially if, if there's two 1% clubs in the same party and then now it just becomes like a, like dick measuring contest for lack of a better word. Um, when it, it's also very funny that when you see, you know, when, when we get together on our own and then, you know, you kind of let your hair down and, and relax a little bit, how different that version of the party is versus, you know, when, when it's an open house and then everybody's invited in and you have to, be on your best slash worst behavior if 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 that's your your goal you know the, it depends on the organization and the, the chapter or the the community i suppose but yeah it is it is funny when you see the uh the posturing that's i always find it entertaining yeah it kind of depends and there are huge differences um in europe because because like in some cities or in some countries this and that club, they get along not just fine, but they can be in the same room and there is no bloodshed. Despite the fact that there has been a long and very bloody history between those clubs, like some people just mature over times or over time. Um, and then you get to different areas where um, you feel like you're in the Wild West. Yeah, it is. It is interesting how those uh, the politics of it all, you know, they they can change, you know, just depending on the area that you're in. What's it like riding on the autobahn with no speed limit? I absolutely don't care about speed limits because I don't go faster than one hundred and forty kilometers anyway. Because um, I have 14-inch uh, ape hangers. And if I go faster than 140, this is more um, more strength training that I can handle. So I just chill. Tom, the human parachute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, my diner is an old girl now. I think she's 130,000 kilometers, which is... 90,000 miles? I don't know. Something like that. And just so, for um, those listening at home, the 140 kilometers per hour is about 87 miles per hour. And what's the speed limit in the U.S.? It really depends on where you're at. I think the, the fastest interstate speed limit is 80 or 85. But okay. you know, generally, sixty or seventy is is right around what the speed limit is. But like you say, and maybe for a different reason, we don't really care what the speed limit is. Yeah, the speed limit is depending on whoever's in the area. I know when I was in Florida, it seemed like everybody just went ninety everywhere, oh. <laughs> even in the cities. No, not so much in the cities, but if you, if you're on the if you were on any kind of highway, everybody was pretty much going ninety. Yeah, what well, I'm trying we, to say is, go ahead. because we have, as you might know, we have no speed limit, or we sometimes have no speed limit on the German mm -hmm. autobahn, and um, like 140 kilometers per hour compared to 
yeah, parts of the autobahn where you could go 240, 250 kilometers per hour, which is, I don't know, 170 miles per hour. So it's like kind of unfathomable for us to go that fast yeah. and get away. So with compared it. to that, compared to that, I'm rather slow. Yeah. Well, we've been at it for uh, almost an hour and a half now. Um, anybody have any final questions that they want to ask Tom before we, we cut this off? Yeah, Tom, do you have any questions about American MC culture? Well, this is, comes kind of unexpected. <laughs> um, yeah, um about uh, you, Drifter, and you, uh, Rotor, what, are, what is your, your background, like your motorcycle club background, if you have any? No, I'll make it really quick. So um, <clears throat> I started off, I, I started off in a veterans-based motorcycle club. Um, and I, I avoided clubs for many years for a couple of different reasons. I did 20 years in the military and um, then in a, Long story short, my dad kind of me and my dad were super close, and he wasn't a fan of clubs. I always joke about it. He would do cocaine and and party, and he did time in prison. But yet, motorcycle clubs was a bad thing to him. Uh, go figure, right? But I was really close with my dad, so I avoided clubs for a lot of years, and then I finally just decided to do it. But um, I did the veterans club thing for a while, and um, now I'm in my current club. I just feel that I outgrew my last club. It was um great place for me. I learned a lot, but I feel like I outgrew that club and that club outgrew me. Um, so I ended up joining the club I'm in now. I share a club with no shame and, um, huh. and I feel, I really feel I'm home. You know, I'm just really happy here. I'm finding great brothers. I'm, I'm, I'm learning more every day and growing into it. But, uh, I just very much like, like the culture and the history and, and the community, just everything we've already touched on. Um, and I'm, I'm like you, Tom, I ride a lot. I probably ride 20,000 miles a year average, you know, so it's, you know, I'm hitting a hundred thousand miles on a bike that's four or five years old. <clears throat> and I just love riding. And I'm also kind of a, I find it, you know, I thought it was because of the group, but I, you know, when you're on a motorcycle, you can't talk to anybody. So even though we think we're in it for the brotherhood and being around people, I also do it because I like to isolate, but you know, that, that's just in a nutshell, my background. I don't want to drag it on. I'll kick it on over to Drifter. Okay. So I think I'm the oldest in our group, um, as they like to point out quite a bit on the other podcasts as well. <laughs> don't think I didn't hear you, no shame. The, the, first, the, the first part of this podcast, the last one that just posted was for people like Drifter. And then the second part is for other people because the Drifters of the world go to sleep. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, that's why we did this one <laughs> at noon, so you wouldn't be tired. Thank you. <laughs> Refill my Geritol and we'll be good. But anyway, so um, I started my uh, hanging around motorcycles and, and kind of clubs as a teenager in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, I saw it, absolutely loved it, uh, but you know, I only saw the party side of it. Um, then I, I joined the, the military, spent 20 years there wasn't a lot of time or room for motorcycle clubs in that um, during that time. I got out. I, I was part of a vets club, and uh, that, that kind of fell apart after a while. Uh, because I'm a motorcycle club history nerd, 
100%. I knew about my current club that I'm in, and uh, I don't hide it. I'm a, with a 13 Rebels motorcycle club that goes back to 1937. Um, so I knew about the history, and then out of pure chance, I happened to meet one in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, and just like a schoolgirl running up to this guy and started telling him all about his own history like an idiot. And, uh, <laughs> You know, make contact with him there, and then a few years later, uh, it all comes together, and, and a chapter forms uh, near me, uh, and I, I've just been completely happy ever since. Uh, I have really found my home, and, and I'll be here till I die. Awesome. Um, I just want to to add one more thing. Um, when I came to to uh, meet your club in 216 um like this your chapter i don't know whether you're still in that chapter but the chapter back then was recommended to me as like uh if you want to meet this club you have to visit this chapter and uh when i left and i actually wrote an article about it uh about my, my my visit to to your club um, in the US. Um, when I left, I thought that, okay, this is what I was looking for when I um, joined a motorcycle club in the first place. So you may you guys made a very, very lasting impression. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, I am no longer in that chapter. I do have it tattooed on my arm though. Um, that was that was my first chapter that was where i was raised um and i learned a lot of lessons there um that chapter is you know when when you were there we had that one chapter um and because of the bonds and then the uh the tutelage that we got and you know the the amount of just building that we were able to do within that chapter you know we've been able to spread quite significantly and you know everything in washington and the pacific northwest kind of comes from that core group that you got to witness um and it was it was uh it was an absolute pleasure having you there you know it was uh it was something that we we definitely enjoyed and you know the, those of us that were around back then you know we still talk about you know the the visit that we got from Germany and, you know, it was, it was something that was memorable for us as well. Um, but yeah, I do, I very much appreciate those, those words that you, you've given us and I'll, I'll definitely pass it on to those that are still in that chapter. Cause that set chapter is still going strong, uh, about to celebrate its 10 year anniversary this year, actually. Nice. Will you be there? Unfortunately I won't. Um, I am currently living on the road. So, uh, I'm in Texas right now, um, but I I just travel around and, and go from place to place. So their anniversary party is in June, but then we have Mother in L.A. like we do every year in July. So I can't swing the travel to the West Coast two times in such a short amount of time. So unfortunately, I'll have to miss it. But I did design their shirt for them. So I've called dibs on the first one that comes off the presses. Oh, do you recognize this one? <clears throat> I do. I designed that shirt as well. <laughs> I'm glad to see you still got it and it's still holding up. Of course I do. That's awesome, man. 
Well, Tom, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, I appreciate all the information that you've given us, um, you know, just sharing the differences, but I think mostly highlighting the similarities between, you know, the American and German club culture. You know, it's a, it's it's always a treat when we get to talk to people from different walks of life and, and kind of compare and contrast and, uh, and you know, really just talk about the things that we all collectively love. Uh, so again, I, I thank you for coming on. I thank you for taking the time out of your day. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll have you on again sometime in the future. Sure. Anytime. And thank you for having me. Yeah. Anytime, anytime. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, appreciate you tuning in with us. And until next time, this is No Shame from Four for the Road. You have a blessed day.